She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to... Maybe one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. Merry Christmas week. It is here. It is upon us. I hope you got all your Christmas shopping done. And I just I just pray that you are able to enjoy the, the uh, I, I hate the word magic, but the magic of Christmas, which we know is actually the power of God in Christmas. I hope you are able to do that this week. I hope you're able to just sit and listen. The power of God is everywhere. The The majesty of the birth of Jesus is everywhere. Sometimes you have to look a little harder than other times to find it, but it is everywhere. It is in your children. It is in your marriage. It is all around. It is in your relationships. It is in your parents. You know, when they are believers, you can look at them and see a creation of God. The majesty of God is literally everywhere. So I pray that you're able to see it. You're able to recognize it. You're able to fall um, just deeper in love with Jesus this week. I pray that your heart would be so full of hope, so confident in faith this week. I pray that you would have moments where you just get quiet and you're, you allow the spirit of God just to speak to your spirit. Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas from my entire team to you. We love you. All of you guys that download, we just love you. And we're wishing you a very Merry Christmas. This is what's going on in my world this week. I, my kids are, I talk about them all the time. Clearly you're used to, you're used to it. We are teaching them. Now they know the basics of the Christmas story. And by the way, we are going to have Moses and Haven and one of our bonus miles, they're going to tell you the Christmas story. They're going to narrate it to you and it's going to be precious and it's going to be great and you're going to laugh and you're going to love it and it's going to be awesome. So they know the basics of the Christmas story, but I don't think we've ever talked to them about Herod. And you remember my message last week? It was like lots of Herod. <laughs> it was kind of like and super intense. Okay. But I don't think I'd ever talk to them about Herod. You know, we focus on Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and whatever. And guess what? Herod wasn't invited to the nativity scenes. Like he doesn't have a role right there by the donkey. You know what I'm saying? Like he ain't there. So I don't know that we've ever actually sat down and talked to him, uh, them about it. But Sunday we go to church and... I'm talking about the Christmas story with my husband because I'm teaching on the Christmas story all this week. And I'm talking about what I'm going to talk about uh, the next day. So this is Sunday and I was going to preach a message on Monday. And I like uh, from the the furthest corner from our house, like way far away comes my little 45 pounds bundle of joy. 
And she is running to us because she hears us. I am learning that our kids can hear everything we talk about at all times. So if we have to talk about something important, we literally have to get in our car or leave the house. Okay. That is, that. that's the situation we're in. So she hears us talking about the Christmas story and she runs all the way down the stairs. She runs over to me and she says, mom. Did you know that there was a king that was trying to kill Jesus? And I'm like, where are we going with this? Like, <laughs> She was like extremely passionate. And she said, I just, who would kill Jesus? I, did you know his name was Herod? And what kind of a name is Herod? What a weird name. I do not like him. So now we've added Herod to the list of things about Christmas that Haven doesn't like. Santa is still on his very own naughty list. And Herod, of course, is joined as well. But she stopped and I just thought, oh my goodness, we missed that one. I think we've missed Herod <laughs> talking about the Christmas story. But our church, our church didn't miss him. And it was amazing for her to come down and be like, I read the Christmas story and you know, you know, you know, my thoughts about Herod from last week. It was just so interesting that in the same week, Haven is like, gets all offended about Herod. And she, she, I do not like him. He is so rude. And I'm like, yes, girl, he is rude. I don't know. I think Haven has got a future and maybe she could start her own podcast. I'm telling you, she probably have more downloads than I than I anyway lots happening always in our house that is what is happening in our world right now guys i'm gonna we're gonna go super deep this week before christmas you might need to take a breather for this one (laughs) but it's gonna be good because we're gonna talk about the fact that jesus was the miracle after the break and it's gonna set your heart just real, real open and real tilled for this weekend and the majesty of Christmas. I'll see you after the break. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. (laughs) 
Okay, here we go, guys. We are back with the greatest story of all time. Okay, so I wanted to do something that might just open your mind a little bit. I think we sometimes we get really accustomed to reading Luke 1 and Luke 2 and Matthew 1 and 2 and 3. And we kind of know if you've been in church any length of time what the Christmas story narrative is. I am going to poke you just a little bit on the Christmas story. I'm going to open your mind and I'm going to show you how the Old Testament comes together with the Gospels in the New Testament. I think it's going to be absolutely beautiful for you. This is what I want to tell you today. In a world of miracles, we are, a lot of us are looking for a miracle. A lot of us want a miracle. We're going to talk about miracles today. But I want to show you how in the word of God, Jesus was the ultimate miracle. Okay. He was the miracle. Now we don't see him until we're not introduced physically to him until Matthew, but Jesus was a part of all the miracles in the whole Bible. Now in my study, there is recorded about 80 ish. I don't actually agree with this because most theologians that document the miracles in the scripture, they put creation as one miracle. Like to me, that's like a hundred miracles, like all in the creation story, but they document it as one miracle. So when you're talking about creation, when you're talking about the Red Sea, the whole Egypt exodus, more than one miracle to me, but a lot of people document it as one. And so based on my study, if you if you look at major miraculous events, there are about 80-ish recorded in the Old Testament, and there are about 83-ish, give or take, recorded in the New. I think that is phenomenal just to know that. A lot of people don't know that. Jesus himself performed 37 miracles while he was a man, the God man, fully God, fully man. He himself performed 37 miracles on earth. However, Jesus has always been a part of miracles. And I'm going to show you how he is. I want you guys to go in your Bibles. He is the miracle. Okay. I want you to go to, in your Bibles to John one. This is so, so amazing to me as I study just the scripture. You know, I was telling my husband yesterday, I am seeing now the fruit of my study from years in the past. You know how you study and you like learn something. Now I'm seeing how studying has actually produced fruit in my life about the scripture. And so I am now studying based on the fruit that I gleaned years ago. That was really deep, but that was a conversation I had with my husband. Anyway, this is awesome. John 1 says this, in the beginning was the word. Love this. And the word was with God. So in the beginning, the word was with God. He was with God. Where? In the beginning. The word was with God in the beginning. And the word was God. So in the beginning, in Genesis, which is the only beginning that we know, we know that God always was, but we see him in the beginning, Genesis 1. The word was with God and the word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. 
I'm going to go ahead and read on. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing apart from him, the word, nothing came into being. In him was life and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now I'm going to skip over to verse 14. It says this, and the word, this is how we know that John is talking about Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about Jesus being born of a virgin. Praise the Lord. He became flesh and he dwelt among us and we saw his glory. We got to see it with our own eyes because he demeaned himself enough to wrap himself in flesh and to come down to meet with us face to face. And uh, we saw his glory. Glory as not only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what John 1 tells us is extremely important. It tells us that the word, which we know as Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Okay, I told you this is going to be meaty, and I ain't even started. In Genesis 1, you guys, when it talks about creation, I'm going to read to you the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you know the story. I'm not going to get into that because that's the, the, could be, you read it for yourself. The word God in Genesis 1 is Elohim. The word Elohim is the plural name for God. So God is not just, it's not just God the Father. It's a plural word. So we know that. The Trinity is represented in Genesis 1, which tells me this. Jesus was a part of miracles from the beginning. From the beginning. All the stuff that happened in Exodus and the Red Sea part, we hear from God. You'd have to look up what term they were using with God. But in the beginning, it's Elohim, and it's a plural word for God. So we know that the Trinity was present. Jesus was there. He saw, of course, I don't know what happens in heaven, but I'm telling you what. He saw all of the miracles that were created in the Old Testament, which is why they mirror miracles in the New Testament. And let me go even one further. He saw and was a part of the prophecies of his own birth. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm I'm challenging you a little bit because I want you to see the totality of the majesty of Jesus. When he came to earth, he was a part of all the miracles that had been, been happened up until that point. He was a miracle and he was born into an environment of miracles. Jesus Christ, son of God, was the miracle. I got to say, as I study the word of God, I'm like, oh my goodness. I just, sometimes I just have to sit back and I'm like, does that really say that? Was Jesus really privy 
to all of the prophecies about him, which meant in Isaiah, and we're going to talk about the very first prophecy of Emmanuel. It blew, it just blows my mind that Jesus knew about all of these prophecies and he still waited for them to be fulfilled and he was willing to fulfill them. This is how miraculous Jesus is, you guys. I can't help but stand in awe of him when he knew he would have to become human. In Genesis, God is creating Adam. He sees how Adam is created and he is willing to become that for you and for me. When he sees, oh, I have to be conceived. I have to grow in a, in a human's body. I have to be birthed from a, a human, a mortal. <laughs> and he says, I will do it. I will do it. It blows my mind. In Isaiah, now Isaiah lived about 600 years, six six to 700, somewhere in there. Ugh, nobody, nobody hasn't. I mean, they have the exact dates, but half of them don't agree. So I'm going to tell you generally six to 700 years before Jesus was born. Listen here. In Isaiah, there are multiple prophecies about Jesus's birth. And there are also multiple prophecies about his death and about his crucifixion. So 600 years before he wrapped himself in human flesh, he knew what he would have to go through. I could cry being in awe of how grateful I am for my Savior choosing to demean himself because of me and what I've done. There is nothing like him. I hope this broadens your mind a little bit to the Christmas story because I think sometimes we need to be challenged by the Christmas story. We don't just need to read Luke 2 on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. We don't just need to study, you know, Luke 1 and Luke 2. We need to see the totality of scripture and how geniusly constructed the plan of who Jesus would become, who he already was, was. It's miraculous. I got a question last week of how in the world, how do you keep the magic of Christmas alive with the Christmas story? And as I've studied all of this content in the last week or so, I like, I'm almost looking at that, <laughs> not judging, of course not, but I'm looking at the, that going, how can you lift up Santa more than Jesus? Jesus was there when the prophecies of him were handed out to Isaiah. He was there. That's phenomenal to me. He waited 600 years to fulfill them. He was there. That's, that's phenomenal to me. Okay, moving on. He was a miracle. He performed miracles all throughout the scripture. 
He was a part of miracles in the Old Testament. We don't see him. He is not named in the Old Testament. They, his name was prophesied to be Emmanuel in the, in the Old Testament. But he, um, when he came to life, he did 37 miracles as a human, and he was born into an environment of miracles. This, this just absolutely blows blows me away. Let me let me switch the page here on my notes because I don't want to miss anything. Many of the Old and New Testament miracles mirror each other. And I think that that's phenomenal. It's because they have the same author, you guys. When you think about the miracles surrounding Jesus's birth when he came, there are so many miracles that you that you can even pull out of the story. Angels appeared to Zacharias and Elizabeth, even though they were elderly, they were elderly conceived, John the Baptist. Zacharias is very much a part of the Christmas story. John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin, and he was a forerunner for for Jesus, which is what the Bible uh, tells us about. But Elizabeth was barren. She could not have any kids. This was a miracle in a miraculous story that was taking place. That's when I say he was born into an environment of miracles. Miracles surrounded his birth, okay? These unbelievable acts that had to have supernatural intervention were everywhere when he was being born and conceived And I mean, oh my gosh, up until a couple of years, all we see are miracles taking place. So the angels appeared to Zacharias. Elizabeth had a child. She was barren. That's a miracle. Angels appeared to Joseph. That's a miracle, you guys. Has an angel appeared to you lately? Maybe. Uh, The Bible talks about we we entertain angels unaware. You could have. They could have just looked like a person. You don't know. The Bible talks about it. So it could have happened. But I have not met anyone ever in my entire life that's actually seen a miracle with angel with wings and like the whole thing. I've never met someone who's met Gabriel face to face. Now, maybe they have. They just didn't know it was an angel. Mary also was visited by Gabriel. The shepherds were not just visited by the one angel. They were visited by heavenly host and they all sang they praised god and they all sang has there been a heavenly host that's visited you lately and you've seen it and they started singing to you probably not maybe there has been i don't know please i want you on the show if you have experienced this so write into us a random census was called a random sen- census Okay, now we know it's not random, but it's a miracle because of the precision of time the census was called. When was the census called? When Mary was nine months pregnant with Jesus, which forced Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem and to register because they had to register for the census. It was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. You guys, that's something that we read randomly in the scripture. That is a miracle. It's a miracle that caused a prophecy to actually happen. Three random wise men. Now, now, who are these guys? Like, who are, like, literally, I know they're wise men from Persia, but who are these actual guys? Three guys, just three. Who are these guys? that knew about Jesus' birth and traveled a long time to go see him. Probably They probably traveled about 2,000 miles to go to, to actually get to Jerusalem. And then we know that Bethlehem is really close to, to Jerusalem. And what did they follow? 
a star. The Bible says, and we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the star led them. You guys, stars do not move. It had to be a supernatural event. You see where I'm going here. Uh, he was born into an, he was the miracle. He had already performed miracles as part of the Trinity. And he was, he was going to perform miracles, of course, after his birth, up until he died when he was 33. Stars don't move, guys. He's born into an environment of miracles. But to me, you take all of those things about Jesus's birth. That's why it's so majestic. That's why I can't get with people who are like Santa Claus. I mean, great, Santa Claus, we play him too. But when you dig deep into the scripture and you see everything that was happening at this time, oh my goodness, you stand amazed and you worship. I got up and I have, you know, I have lots of Christmas trees the other morning and and typically I get real busy because I'm like, okay, I got to do my quiet time. Lord, speak to me. <laughs> Let me drink my coffee. You know, whatever. And I sat in the majesty of the moment with my house quiet, with my coffee, listening to the spirit of the living God speak to me. It was so majestic. I didn't want to leave. I was like, we get our kids up about 6.45 every single morning, and I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to move. Because when you actually experience and when you actually know and when you actually see how much work from our standpoint, from a human standpoint, it took to get Jesus to come to earth, to die for you and me, Santa will lose his magic. There is nothing like the Christ child in our home. And I was able to just sit and silently worship him. And I encourage you to do that in the next couple of days. All of those things that I just talked to you about, about Jesus being there when um, knowing about the prophecies, kind of, they don't pale in comparison but I was super wowed by the very first prophecy given about Jesus. And I want to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to talk to you about this. And then we'll end up our Christmas podcast. But sometimes we need to look at the context of the prophecies of Jesus. And if you were to study the context of the prophecies of Jesus, they would read very different. It's easy to, um, you know, slap a Isaiah 9, 6 on your Instagram. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, it's so easy to do that. And listen, I do that. <laughs> I do that. I got my favorite Christmas verses. I'm telling you, I do it. It's so easy to talk about blessed and highly favored. It's so easy to do that. It's so easy to, um, you know, put Isaiah seven fourteen, which is what I'm going to talk about today, on your Instagram or on your Facebook. It's so easy to do that. But when you look at the context of the prophecy, it's absolutely phenomenal. Did you know? Let me read it to you. Isaiah uh, seven fourteen says this. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. 
behold, a virgin will be with child and she gonna bear a son and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time. He knows enough. Now that's a that's a present tense word, which kind of goes with my Jesus was around before Jesus. <laughs> He's part of the Trinity, guys. He knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. And then the next verse is a, a future tense word. For behold, the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good. The land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. Now, Isaiah 714. I told you this is going to be meaty, but Isaiah 714 was a promise that God gave to King Ahaz, the king of Judah. Now, is it a promise for us too? Absolutely. But contextually, God gave a promise about Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, to a king of Judah. Now, Jesus is called Lion of the tribe of Judah. So when Jesus was born, Judah was still a thing. Okay, listen. This story is why the context matters. Here we have in Isaiah 7, in the days of Ahaz, King Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that two kings come came out, Ahaz, to wage war against Judah. But listen to this. In verse one, it says this, but they could not conquer it. Let me tell you something right now. If God is for you, no one can be against you. They might try to destroy you. They might try to take away your character. They might try to take away your platform. They might try to come at you. But if God is for you and God was for the king of Judah, Ahaz, if God is for you, no one can literally stand against you. Two kings came against Ahaz to destroy Judah, but they could not conquer it. Verse two says this. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, the Armenians have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Now, I've preached on this passage multiple times. They were terrified. Ahaz was terrified. He thought, surely they're going to get me. They're going to overtake Judah. They're going to destroy it. They're going to do it. He was terrified. And he was not the only one that was terrified. Everyone in the land of Judah was terrified that Judah was going to be destroyed by these two kings, but it was only a report. Did they try to take him out? Absolutely. But guess what? God stopped it. Thus says the Lord in verse seven, it shall not happen. It shall not come. It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus and the head of Damascus is resin. Now, within another 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered so that it will no longer be a people. And the head of Aram, Ephraim, is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is 
the son of Remaliah. Now, let me tell you something. God is telling King Ahaz right here, it's not going to stand. It's not going to happen. There, I know it seems like it's going to happen. I know it seems like they're going to be able to destroy Judah, but they're not going to be able to destroy Judah. As a matter of fact, in 65 years, uh, they're not even going to be a people. And guess what, guys? God was right. God was prophesying to Ahaz right there, and he was saying, it's not going to stand. It's not going to happen. And in 65 years, they actually became Samaritans. Okay. Okay, so that, that is actually a thing. The la- last part of that verse says, if you will not believe, you surely will not last. The next part says, the Lord spoke to Ahaz because he was so terrified. He was so scared that Judah was going to be taken over. He was, he was terrified and the Lord saw that. And this is what he said. Ask for a sign. Now, this is not just any plain invitation. Because of the context of the invitation of the ask, listen, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, your God. And this is what he says. Make it as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. The Lord says right here, I know you're terrified, but I'm telling you, Judah will not be defeated. It's not going to happen. And I want to secure your heart so deeply that I'm going to give you this crazy invitation that I don't really give to everyone. I'm going to say, ask for a sign, but not just any sign. This is not the, you know, Gideon putting out the fleece. This is as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. God has given him a crazy, Ahaz, a crazy invitation, whatever you want. It can be as crazy, as wild, whatever you want. I will do whatever you want, anything you want. You can write your own check. You tell me what you need to see to believe that Judah will not be defeated. Anything, anything, I'll give it to you. And then Ahaz is a moron. He says, I will not ask. And oh, self-righteous people, I will not ask nor will I test the Lord. Okay, congratulations. You're so righteous, Ahab. A gold star for the day, okay? Then the Lord said, listen now, O house of David. Oh, it's getting real. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of God as well? Then God got mad. In that beautiful verse, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, The Lord himself is going to give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time. He knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For behold, the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good. The land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. The very first prophecy about Jesus was in response to someone who was terrified that his kingdom was going to be conquered. That's why God said, this is, now we know what God was willing to do. Make it as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. He's like, I will not test the Lord. Wow. Congratulations to you. Wow. What a moron. Then God says, okay, 
I'm going to give you the most impossible sign that you could never, you don't even have the intelligence to ask for, but I'm so good that I'm going to give you this amazing sign. And you're going to know that these two kings that came up against you, they literally will not be kings anymore and their land will be forsaken because we, I know from studying the word, they became Samaritans. Listen, that was prophesied 600 years before Jesus was born. Lion of the tribe of Judah was born of a virgin, Mary, in Bethlehem. When I see that what God is willing to promise us, to calm us, what I see the information he's willing to share with us, because he knows how terrified we are of the circumstances that we face. When I see, even though Ahaz was so snotty, I will not touch the Lord. God came in and gave him a sign anyway. And for 600 years, God himself was working on the house of the lineage of David, creating generation after generation after generation after generation that would eventually add Jesus. You know, sometimes we get a promise from the Lord and we're like, where is it? Well, you know what? Guess what? God's working on his word for you. And that's what he was doing with Ahaz. And everything that he said actually came true. So when I say that Jesus was a miracle, he did miracles, and he was born in an environment of miracles, that is exactly what I mean. I pray this week that you worship him and just stand in awe of him. And when you say Merry Christmas and go to church and you're singing, Oh, come, let us adore him. Ugh, one of my favorite Christmas songs, Oh, Holy Night. They come alive to you in a little bit different way. Okay? Okay. I hope this ministered to you guys today. I have a question right after the break. I'll be back in just a sec. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, I told you that was going to be meaty. Like a Bible sandwich, like a big old, I don't know, Reuben sandwich with cheese. Do you know what I'm saying? I love the word of God. I hope maybe um, if you don't get time to actually sit and listen to all the different passages and whatever, I hope you would go back and 
and maybe re-listen to it and share with a friend. We would love that too. Okay. So I have a question for all of y'all from one of y'all for all of y'all. And this is what it says. I know some people like the mysteries of God, but for me, they can seem frustrating at times. How do you get past the things that just simply don't make sense in our human minds, such as the virgin birth? Um, Let me read that again. How do you get past the things that just simply don't make sense in our human minds, such as the virgin birth? And to you, my dear out there, I would say, I, I think I used to be you. I think if it's too complex for me to actually understand and it seems far-fetched, I just kind of thought, that's kind of far-fetched. I don't know if I believe that or not. And then I had an encounter with God at 3 a.m. in the morning when I was 21. By the way, it's my 20-year anniversary of becoming a child of God, a Christian. I had an encounter with God and it was the first time in my life that I experienced the presence of God that was more tangible than any person I've ever met. It was more tangible than a human interaction. It was, I, I, I can't even describe it. It was supernatural. And it came at a time when I desperately needed it and I was about to give up on everything in my life. And I'm telling you, whoever wrote this question to me, uh, I don't have a name. But after that encounter where I gave it all the Lord, surrendered my heart, asked him to forgive me of my sins, believing in the supernatural wasn't quite so hard. It's never been hard ever since because I realized that there is the supernatural world at work where God is the king And I saw the Bible in a totally different way. And I will also say this, you know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. And I'm I'm, I'm actually glad you didn't put your name (laughs) on this because I don't want to keep saying your name. But faith without works is dead. And I'm telling you what, if you don't have faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. But if you don't have faith, and things you can't understand because most of the Bible is very, it's, 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 it seems all far-fetched unless you have the spirit of God that is confirming and moving and teaching and growing and you're seeing prayers answered in your life and miracles happen and, and all of those things. If you don't have faith, you never get to experience the fruit of faith. And there are some things by faith Hebrews 11 would be a good chapter for you to read that you just have to accept that you're not going to be able to figure it out. Faith is substance when you see nothing. There is, faith is a substance. And so that would be my answer to you. I I don't struggle with any of that anymore. I used to. I don't struggle with any of that anymore because I know that God is real because I've seen him personally engage in my life. So that's my answer for that. I'm going to pray us out, but have just the merriest Christmas of all time. Love on those kids. Love on your man or your woman or whatever. Love on your parents. We all just need to sit back and worship the Lord and love on our families this year. Let me pray. Lord, we love you so much. 
And God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for him. I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son and the word became flesh and we had an opportunity to see his glory. And I thank you for Matthew and Luke who wrote it down for us. (laughs) I thank you that we see some of the details of the greatest miracle of all time, which is Jesus. Jesus is the miracle. And God, I pray this week that you would encourage all the listeners as they are shopping, cooking, going to church, opening presents, whatever it is. I pray that we would all take a moment to pause and worship King Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. I will see you next week. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. Yeah,